Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known, that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. This morning's New Testament passage comes out of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, through chapter 5, verse 2. If you have your pew Bible, it is located on page 1264. It says this, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from food that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything, is create, for everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things, therefore, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Jesus, of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we will for to this end we toil and strive. Because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have which has been given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. This is the word of the Lord. 
We were having discussions on who should stay back and preach during men's retreat. And it was decided that the most handsome of First Presbyterian's preachers would preach. But since Murray preached last week, you're stuck with me. Every generation has its own distinctive qualities. Things that make it different from the previous generation. Things that set it apart from the coming generation. If you don't believe me, ask different generations a couple of simple questions. Ask different generations who they think might be the greatest musician of all times. Ask millennials, ask boomers, ask Generation X, ask builders. You're going to get a different response from each of them. Perhaps some will respond that uh, the Beatles or Elvis would take that place. My generation might say Michael Jackson. If you ask the present generation, you might find out that there is um, something called a Justin Bieber. Or ask them about their iconic basketball stars and you'll hear names from different generations. Names like Bill Russell or Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan or LeBron James. Ask them what shows they think are iconic. Father Knows Best or Leave It to Beaver, The Brady Bunch, The Cosby Show, The Simpsons. Every generation has its own distinctive. And it is natural and expected for each generation to view its own distinctive qualities as better than other generations. We look at the older generation and say, your music is out of touch. We look at the younger generation and say, your music's a little too loud. We look at the previous generation and say, there are newer and better ways of doing things. We look at the coming generations and say, when I was young, the only iPad I had was a pad that went over your eye. Without realizing or even desiring, we create a great divide between each generation. This great divide between generations is not God's desire for his church. I believe that it, as we examine the scriptures from Old Testament to New Testament, we will find that God's desire for his people is that they be involved in intentional intergenerational mission and ministry. He wants us to reach across the great divide, reaching backwards towards the previous generation and looking forward to what he can accomplish through the coming generation. And he wants that act to be intentional. I'm committed to doing this, not accidental. If it happens, it happens. So here's how Paul lays it out as he's instructing the younger Timothy in our New Testament passage. Paul is mentoring Timothy and he's listing off some great insight to Timothy. He's saying things like, don't reject God's good things. Don't waste your time on silly myths. Train in godliness. 
and, and, and teach all these things. And as he's saying all these things, he comes to a passage and then he says, you know what, teach all these things. But Timothy, I recognize that you are younger than most. And so he takes the time to specifically address that great divide. He tells Timothy, don't let anyone despise you because you're young. What a mind-blowing lesson that we can all learn from. Do not despise youth. But he doesn't stop there. As he's finishing up his encouragement of Timothy, that though he's young, he has something to offer, he reminds him of something right there at the very beginning of chapter 5. He says, be careful how you treat those who are older than you. Don't rebuke an older man, but encourage him like you would your dad. An older woman like you would your mother. And just to kind of capsulize the point, he says, and if they're younger than you, treat them like a brother or treat them like a sister. Hmm. Don't let youth be despised, but don't let age be disrespected. Sounds like Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is laying the groundwork for intentional, intergenerational mission and ministry. Even in our Old Testament passage, the Spirit inspires the psalmist to write things like this. The things our fathers told us. We won't hide it from our children. We will tell the coming generation. He commanded our fathers to teach them to their children. He says, arise and tell them to your children. And as I understand verse 8, he finishes by saying, do this so that the coming generation won't be as hard-headed as their fathers. Do this so that the coming generation will not repeat the mistakes of the previous generation. It looks to me like God's plan from Old Testament to New Testament has always been intentional, intergenerational Mission and ministry. So we know what God wants from us in theory. But what does that look like in practice? Could it be deeper than uh, taking away the younger generation's iPads? Could it be deeper than giving the older generation earplugs when we play our music? Yes, I believe it is. I believe that God's design for intentional intergenerational mission and ministry is made clear through the lives of three people. Barnabas, Paul, and Timothy. So what does intentional intergenerational mission and ministry look like? One, you must be a Barnabas. Sometimes we balk at the idea of intergenerational ministry because we think mistakenly, that it means we have to leave the friends that we have established so that we can go and hang out with someone older or younger. We have to abandon our circle of friends to spend time with those who are outside of our generation. Nothing is further from the truth. 
This idea of intentional intergenerational mission and ministry is not going to ruin the relationships you have. It's going to make them richer and better. Because true intergenerational relationship and ministry says find those friends that are close around you and be a Barnabas to them. Be a Barnabas. What does that mean? Barnabas' name was not originally Barnabas. It was Joseph, J-O-S-E-S, which at first I thought it was Joses, but apparently that's not the right way to pronounce. <laughs> it's Joseph. But they changed his name to Barnabas. Hmm. You know why? Do you know what Barnabas means? Barnabas means son of encouragement. Barnabas was an encourager. What we're asking of you when we ask you to be involved in intentional, intergenerational mission and ministry is we are asking you to find those in your generation, those in your circle of influence, and encourage them. Can I say something? We live in some rough times. That whole idea of Murphy's Law is very relevant. There's Murphy's Law. Anything that can go wrong will there's Murray's Law, the most you can do is pray. There's uh, Maury's Law, the lie detector will determine that that was a lie, if you watch the Maury Povich show. We live in a day and time where we are surrounded by discouraging events and discouraging people. Don't dream big, because someone will find you and discourage you. What we need more of today is we need more Barnabases, more people that are willing to encourage each other. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. As I was in Bible school, I can remember one of my professors his name is David Segovia. I still keep in contact with him today. He was my favorite. Hopefully none of my other Bible school professors are listening to the, the recording of this sermon online because he was my favorite. And I can tell you why he was my favorite. Because every time I saw him, he would stick his hand out with a big smile on his face and he would say things like, how is the mighty man of God? It's like, I'm a first-year student and this guy just called me mighty man of God. And he would say things like, you are the Lord's blessed. I'm like, you talking to me, huh? And I loved, sometimes I would shake his hands two or three times a day. <laughs> because that encouragement was uplifting. I encourage you to this morning, intergenerational, intentional intergenerational mission and ministry is about being an encouragement to those who are around you. It means I make a commitment to encourage my generation. I commit to be a Barnabas. Intentional intergenerational mission and ministry is about being a Barnabas. 
It's also about pursuing a Paul. The other thing that, that often makes intentional intergenerational mission and ministry is finding someone who can pour into us. See, sometimes we take the passive approach. Hopefully someone who can pour into me will find me. I hope that someday someone will want to mentor me. And then we sit in our pews and wait. And wait. And wait. And wait. See, we live in a society where everything comes easy. We live in a society where they bring things to you. I can shop from my home and never have to put on pants. The internet is an amazing thing. I can say click, 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 click. You bring it to my door. I don't have to go out for food. I can have them deliver it to my door. If I don't feel like coming to church, I'll just listen to the podcast in in my home. We want everything brought to us. But you know what? Perhaps you haven't found a mentor because you haven't been pursuing a Paul, because you haven't been actively looking for one. Perhaps you haven't found someone to mentor you because you haven't asked anyone. As we deal with God, God asks us to be active. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we do not say, and give us this day our daily bread, and then sit down and wait for bread to fall from, par- from heaven with small parachutes. We go out, we find a job. So in pursuing a mentor, in pursuing someone who can invest in me, God is asking that I be active. He says it this way in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. And just in case you didn't get that, he repeats it a little bit. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, it will be open. Even in the book of James, he says, you do not have because you do not ask. You don't have a mentor because you haven't looked for a mentor. This morning I'm challenging you to pursue a Paul. And the reason I'm challenging you to pursue a Paul, and some of you, for some of you this might be breaking news, the reason I'm challenging you to pursue a Paul is because you don't know everything. There are more experienced people out there whose successes you can learn from and whose failures you can learn even more from. Seek someone out that is more experienced than you and ask him or her to mentor you. Intentional intergenerational mission and ministry means that I actively pursue somebody who can be a Paul to me, who can pour into my life. Be a Barnabas, pursue a Paul, Train a Timothy. I have a somewhat sad, though obvious, announcement. One day, we will all die. John Maxwell says, 
there is no success without a successor. What happens when you are no longer on the earth anymore? Have you spent the time pouring into somebody so that they might be blessed by what your life had to offer? Don't let your life stop on the day you stop living on this earth. Train a Timothy. Find someone that you can pour into. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Love this verse. It says, Train a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. We love using this verse to speak to parents. And parents, don't get me wrong. Train your children, please. Train your children. But I think there are greater implications here because if you looked at the verse, it, has, it says nothing about parenting. It just says, train a child. Train a child, you. But I'm not their parent. doesn't make a difference. You can train a child. I believe that we all have a responsibility to reach out to the next generation of believers and help direct them and help ground them and help move them forward and help them have greater successes than what you and I did. When I say the next generation of believers, yeah, I'm talking about our children. Let's invest in our children's lives. How can you do that? You can do that by taking a Sunday, Sunday school rotation. I'm sure that they would love to have you teach Sunday school. You can volunteer at Opportunity School. Talk to Jill Goodrich. You can spend time at the Presbyterian Home for Children. Talk to Darren Murphy. Take the time. To be committed to intergenerational mission and ministry by pouring into the next generation. Maybe you think, you know what? I I just don't have the energy anymore. Then, you know what you can do? If you can't yourself train a Timothy, help a Timothy find a Paul. Connect other people that you know who want to be mentors, and who need to be mentored. For example, this week and next week, I'm going to be calling you individually, personally, each of you on the phone. And I'm going to say, you know what? We really want the road to take off. But I need names of Hispanics that might be interested in connecting with me so that I can be a Paul to them, so that I can pour into their lives, so that they might be a Timothy being trained up and raised up. Do you know the names and telephone numbers of someone who might be interested? And you're looking at me thinking, he's not going to call me. No, I am going to call you. (laughs) I got the directory on my desk. They put it there last week. You will get a phone call. And you will be able to connect a Timothy to a Paul. And in doing so, you will fulfill an element of intentional, intergenerational mission and ministry. Intentional, intergenerational mission and ministry. says, train a Timothy, pursue a Paul. 
be a Barnabas. God desires to see his church engaged in intentional intergenerational mission and ministry. This is one of those sermons that you can leave with and do something active this week. Find people around you that you can encourage. Be a Barnabas. This week, find someone that can pour into your life. Pursue a call. This week, find somebody into whose life you can pour. Train a Timothy. When we do these things, I believe we will have amazing success as a church because we've confronted the great divide and found out that it's not so great after all. We can do amazing things together for the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful this morning for your goodness and your faithfulness. We are thankful for your word that often encourages and inspires, but most definitely challenges. Today we have been challenged by your word to be encouragers, to find someone who can pour into our life, to find someone into whose life we can pour. Open our eyes to those opportunities around us that we might reach this next generation for the kingdom. In your precious name we pray. Amen.